Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and the sacred scriptures, along with a variety of issues and topics, all from a Catholic perspective. Wineskins is brought to you through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our program today, I will interview Bonnie Bergman from the Jewish community. We will also hear more information on St. Philip Neri. And today, as the Church celebrates the Ascension of the Lord, we will get a deeper insight into those particular Sunday readings. That and more on Wineskins. In our Life Issues segment, Father Jack Lavelle will talk about the elderly. In our culture, it can be very difficult to meet the needs of the elderly, whom we love and care for. Even more challenging is meeting the spiritual needs of the Catholic elderly, when children don't know or understand what their parents desire. Here are a few tips for those who are caring for devout, aging Catholics. First, consider taking them to Mass and the Sacrament of Reconciliation. In taking them to Mass as often as you or they are able, they enjoy celebrating Mass in the Church that has sustained their spiritual growth and life throughout these many years. They not only fulfill an obligation, but they feel part of that community of faith. Also, in the Sacrament of Reconciliation, they may have been experiencing a need to release themselves of some burden, and this sacrament allows just that. Second, if they are homebound or hospitalized, contact your local Catholic Church to consider bringing them the sacraments. As people age, they may get to a point where it's impossible to travel to Mass or confession. But your loved one may be able to celebrate the sacrament with either a priest, a deacon, or a lay minister who can participate in bringing that sacrament to them in the church or nursing home. Provide them with a Bible, a rosary, a crucifix, an image of Jesus or Mary or the saints. These items carry great meaning and significance to all Catholics. They are things that a devout Catholic would want to keep on hand as they see themselves in their final years. Often called sacramentals, they bring peace, comfort, and remind us that Jesus is near to us. Next, pray with them and read the scriptures with them. If they are unable to pray or read on their own, your loved one may find comfort in you reading or praying with them. This treasury of Catholic family prayer is available for us to share with and for each other. 5. Give them books, music, or movies that they remember from their youth. The elderly are most comfortable with what they know and remember. Providing them with movies that they grew up with, that they've talked about, that they've always enjoyed, or if they're still able to read, bring them the books that they enjoyed throughout their lives. These are not just oldies, but they help them feel a sense of comfort, a sense of connection with times gone by. Next, make sure they are receiving the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. A priest can administer the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Contrary to popular belief, one does not wait and, quite frankly, should not wait until the person is near death for this sacrament. The rite of anointing tells us there is no need to wait until that point of death. Rather, it helps to sustain and journey with the individual in those times when they are ill. A careful judgment about the serious nature of illness is sufficient. The sacrament may be repeated if the person recovers after the anointing, but then becomes ill again. Next, make sure to notify their faith community and ask them what assistance they may be able to provide. Chances are good 
that if your parent or neighbor, relative, any devout elderly Catholic has participated in a faith community, that community wants to continue to journey with them. Maybe they were part of a Bible study or some type of other ministry. And there are probably many individuals that are still part of that ministry that would like to be able to contact them to call or visit if applicable. Continue to provide those moments of joining together. Next, remind them of the hope they have in heaven. It's natural for those who are near death to be fearful of what will happen next. Even those who have been devout in their faith may begin to question. Remind them that they will one day experience God's love in a new way. Encourage them that they have nothing to fear because the Lord of all love is waiting for all of us. We must continue to recognize that beautiful gift of God always present to us. Next, honor them when the time comes with a traditional Catholic funeral and burial. If your parent or grandparent lived their life as a Catholic, they would want the traditional Catholic mass and burial. Even if you yourself no longer practice the faith or practice another faith, it is something that will bring great comfort to your loved one to know that they are part of that glorious tradition. And above all, continue to pray for the souls of all the faithful departed. Have mass intentions said for them. Pray for them at home. Remember them always in prayer. It is a Catholic tradition and a spiritual work of mercy to have these masses offered for the repose of their souls. You could begin this process by contacting your local Catholic church. Pope Francis has been an advocate of the elderly, reminding us all of our call to love and honor the older generation. He tells us that where the elderly are not honored, there is no future for the young. And more recently, he says, The family is the nearest hospital, the first school for the young, the best home for the elderly. It is our duty to ensure that our parents, grandparents, and others in our lives are able to live out their last days by remaining rooted in the faith and traditions of the Catholic Church. By serving the elderly, we are ultimately serving Christ. Though it is difficult and at times can be burdensome, strive to love others as Christ loves us. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jack Lavelle. St. Philip Neri was a Christian missionary and founder of the Oratory. To tell us more is Brother Joshua Seidel. He is from the Society of St. Paul in Canfield. Born in Florence, Italy, into a family of modest income, Philip frequented the Dominican Church of St. Mark. Later, he became acquainted with the Benedictine spirituality. He was ordained to the priesthood in 1551 at the age of 36. Through his apostolate in the confessional and his spiritual conferences, he attracted a group of followers who ultimately formed a congregation of the oratory. In 1575, St. Philip received papal approval for the congregation of the oratory, and the Pope gave him the Church of St. Mary Vellicella for its headquarters. In 1578, St. Philip began construction of a new church, and to this day, all the Romans call it Chesa Nueva. In the last years of his life, between the ages of 75 and 80, St. Philip consecrated on the Ministry of Confessional and Spiritual Conferences. He died in Rome with a reputation for cheerful goodness and optimism. The three prayers of the Mass describe very well the spiritual traits of St. Philip Neri, 
who deliberately cultivated some of the eccentricities in order not to fall victim to the admiration of the people. He also declined all ecclesiastical honors. In the opening prayer, we ask God, who raised up your faithful to the glory of holiness, to kindle in us the fire of the Holy Spirit, who so filled the heart of Philip Neri. His insistence on chastity based on humility, lived in joy and prompted by the adore with which his heart was aflamed by the Holy Spirit. The motto of his congregation is solo caritas, love alone. The prayer after communion invites us to imitate St. Philip Mary by hungering after the sacrament with which we find true life. The discovery of authentic values can only provide a truly fascinating vision of holiness whereby one can experience the Christian joy of living. Few can resist the unbounded confidence and optimism of St. Philip Neri. The Office of Readings contain an excerpt of the treatise by St. Augustine because there is nothing available from the pen of Philip Neri. He burned all his writings before he died. St. Augustine refers to the joy of being in Christ, and this helps us understand better a saying of St. Philip Neri. A servant of God ought to always be happy. The spirituality of Philip Neri is relevant and available to all. It is beautifully summarized in the words of St. Augustine. Whenever you are on earth, however long you remain on earth, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Consequently, the duties and involvement in the affairs of this life need ever be an obstacle to the love and service of God. For Wineskins, Brother Joshua Seidel. With me now is Bonnie Birdman, who is the Executive Director of Community Relations and Government Affairs for the Youngstown Area Jewish Federation. Bonnie, it's a pleasure to have you on Wineskins. Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to be here. You know, you've been part of the Jewish Federation, the community, for a number of years, and our affiliation really with the diocese goes way back. Uh, sure does. And we'll does. talk about that in a little bit, but I'd like to learn a little bit more about the Jewish Federation. Tell us about its role in the community. Oh, thank you for asking that question. We're so proud of who we are in the community and what our federation represents. So we are part of a national, indeed an international consortium of Jewish communities. Some of our main agencies we connect with nationally are Jewish Federations of North America, which is exactly what that sounds like, the, the umbrella organization of some 150 federations throughout North America. There are eight federations in the state of Ohio. We are one of the eight. We are the second smallest. However, we oftentimes refer to ourselves as the best small Jewish community in North America. And I say that not, you know, with a lack of a sense of humility, but more with a sense of pride. You know, we are a shrinking Jewish community. You know, we'd like to say we have more people who are coming in. We're working on that. But at the end of the day, in the truest uh, Youngstown sense of our boxing tradition, here in town, we like to say we box well above our weight class. So as a result of that, our services are indicative of much larger communities. So our federation is the umbrella organization for our Jewish Community Center, our 72-bed skilled nursing facility. We have a day school, 160 kids, kindergarten through eighth grade, and we kind of serve as a feeder for Ursuline in many, many ways. We joke that some of the folks over at Ursuline know more about the Jewish community than those of us in the Jewish Family Community Services. And we're really out in the community doing a 
lot of incredible work, including you know, this great history of Catholic-Jewish relations. Let's talk a little bit about how important community relations is, mm-hmm. because we can't do it all on our own. We have to rely on other partners, other people who kind of share the same values that we have. Why is that important for us to maintain those community efforts? Well, I think you just hit the nail on the head. None of us can do it all by ourselves. And as I said, we are a shrinking population and we're looking to bring more people here. From what I understand, the Catholic community is having some demographic challenges as well. However, it is crucial that the Jewish community maintains a strong identity here in the Valley. It is crucial that the diocese and the Catholic community maintains a strong identity here in the Valley. And it is crucial for so many of other faith community partners to do the same. The rich diversity that represents this community is so crucial. And I think that we all either sing together or thrive together. And I like the latter option. You know, as you were talking, one thing that came to mind is that certainly in our Catholic community and and also other Christian denominations and in the Jewish community as you had cited that there is a sense of a shrinking population. We have closed some churches. We know that some of the synagogues have merged for the Jewish community and so there's a sense that there's a remnant of us but isn't that so biblical that sense of a remnant that we are here because it's part of our purpose to be part of this community this faith community and how important it is that we continue that presence because if we don't then what happens to our children and our children's children well you know it's it's interesting that you drew that faith-based analogy and that's exactly right you know the services that we provide are absolutely open to everyone there's no faith or any other litmus test at the door when you come in and we're proud to serve the greater community we're proud to have a huge footprint in this valley with all of our agencies but the reason we continue to not only maintain our agencies, but actually grow them, we're putting more money and more manpower into all of our programming, is for the exact reason, as you said, to maintain our identity here in the Valley, to encourage this place to be somewhere where our children who are growing up and going away to school, it's a place for them to come back to. My husband was one of those people. He grew up here and came back here. I have adult children who don't live here right now, and will they come back here? That remains to be seen. But if that's what their choice is, then we want to make sure that there is a thriving, certainly a thriving Jewish community for them to exist in, but a thriving community in general where they can appreciate all cultures, all religions, and have wonderful things to do and be excited about as Mm -hmm. residents of this community. Let's talk about the Jewish Community Center in particular. That's been around for a long time. Oh yeah. So talk about that. We are so proud of that center. Mm -hmm. It is thriving. Our membership continues to increase. We actually have about a 90% non-Jewish membership, Mm -hmm. meaning we, again, we serve everybody. We can also serve our community literally from the cradle to the grave. And we have a wonderful early learning center, early child care center. So it makes it really simple for parents to bring their kids to our program and go off to work. We have right from six weeks old, our preschool programming and early learning center programming, phenomenal. Our day school, which is based in the Jewish Community Center, as I mentioned, kindergarten through eighth grade. It is a wonderful program and we are bursting at the seams. And our hope is that we're going to physically expand the facility beginning next year. We're in talks to start thinking about that. Any kind of 
capital project mm-hmm. is a very difficult right. one to undertake. And our programs range from fitness programs to youth programming mm-hmm. to senior programming, arts and culture programming. We have an e-sports arena where kids can come after school and engage in gaming. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't understand it, but obviously the kids do and they love it. And we also have a satellite facility mm-hmm. a couple miles away in Liberty, an outdoor pool, tennis courts. On our own campus, we have pickleball courts, which of course are all the rage. I just started playing pickleball, (laughs) so it's a lot of fun. And, you know, again, we're just proud of everything we have to offer. If someone would like to get more information about the Jewish Community Center and the Jewish Federation, what do they do? Where do they go? Very easily. They can call 330-746-3251. That will get you to our main switchboard. And if they're interested in membership, they can do that. If they're interested in any of our other programming, whether it be our day school, whether it be our nursing home, our family services, our assisted living, they can be transferred there. And if you just want to pop in and get a tour, we're located at 505 Gypsy Lane, just a block or so off the corner of Gypsy Lane and Belmont Avenue, diagonally across from the old Northside Hospital. And for the folks that are with us that are involved in community relations, what would you like to leave with them? I think that, you know, it's it's really important to be a part of the community and to enjoy everybody's activities. And this afternoon, we have this wonderful program going on at the center. It is open to the public. It's family-friendly. We're celebrating the 75th anniversary of the establishment of the State of Israel, and we have transformed our building into Jerusalem. So you can go and shop in the Shuk, and you can go visit the Western Wall, and you can eat great food and just celebrate, and we welcome everybody to come. Well, Bonnie Birdman, Executive Director of Community Relations and Government Affairs for the Youngstown Area Jewish Federation, it's been a pleasure to have you with us, and we also look forward to your presence in the next few months where we'll talk a little bit more about those long-time relationships that we've had together as Catholic and Jewish communities. I look forward to it. Thank you so much. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The annual Diocesan Appeal, One in Hope, One in Mission, is the primary activity of raising funds to help the clients of Catholic Charities throughout the Diocese of Youngstown, as well as supporting the many ministries and activities of our diocesan church. This year's goal is $4 million. While that seems like a very vast amount, it is an attainable goal when everyone throughout our diocesan community recognizes the way in which God has blessed them and offers whatever resources possible coming from all of our parishes across our six counties to truly be a people of charity, a people of hope, a people of mission. I thank you for your gift to the annual appeal, and I hope that together we might all continue to be one in hope and one in mission, building up the life of the church and building up the presence of Christ for all in need. God bless you. Our song today is from the CD called Handmaiden of the Lord. It is by the Daughters of St. Paul. Thank you. 
As we celebrate this feast of the Ascension of the Lord, we will hear more about the Sacred Scriptures by Father Matthew Rorig. He is from the Society of St. Paul in Canfield. We just heard the conclusion to Matthew's Gospel. Jesus met with the Apostles in Galilee, where he commissioned them to teach the Gospel to all nations, convert as many as they could and baptize them, and teach them to observe all that Jesus taught. Then Jesus promised he would be with them always. Notice that there is no mention of an ascension. In Mark's gospel, we have an appearance on Easter Sunday evening with some instructions to the apostles. After instructing them, we find one verse telling us Jesus was taken up into heaven and took his seat at the right hand of God. There is mention of an ascension in John when Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and tells her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. That same night, Easter evening, Jesus shows he must have ascended because he breathes the Holy Spirit on the disciples when he appeared to them. Later, the ascension in Luke's gospel took place on Easter Sunday evening from Bethany after Jesus had appeared to them. In all the gospels, if there is an ascension mentioned, it is spoken of as having happened on Easter Sunday evening. In opposition to that is St. Luke's version of the Ascension in the Acts of the Apostles as happening 40 days after Easter. St. Luke seems to completely contradict himself since he wrote both the Gospel and the Acts of the Apostles. Since there's nothing to suggest that Luke was losing his mind, obviously, there is a lot more to the Ascension than Jesus' body being raised up and entering heaven. The scholars I have read interpret the ascension theologically as his return to the Father and being seated at God's right hand. 
It was his glorification, and his human flesh was endowed with all power in heaven and on earth. After the resurrection, Jesus made frequent appearances to his followers. The scene described in the Acts is more or less his final apparition to them. On that occasion, the apostles were encouraged to get busy proclaiming the gospel and converting the world and not to just stand there staring into the sky. So where does this leave us? Shall we just sit around waiting for Jesus to come back? No one has any idea when that might happen, although we should always be ready spiritually for it to happen. St. Leo the Great tells us, Christ's ascension is our own ascension. Our body has the hope of one day being where its glorious head has preceded it. In fact, Jesus had said at the Last Supper, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am you also may be. We read in the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians, If then you were raised with Christ, seek what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think of what is above, not of what is on the earth. We can get so involved in living our daily lives that we forget that we are called to also live in the Spirit. God has better things ahead for us. We do not want to lose the eternal life and love He has created for us to enjoy. What should the ascension mean for us? It is a feast that reminds us of the eternal life we are called to. For Wineskins, I'm Father Matthew Rory. So why did Jesus leave us? Because he wanted to strengthen us. He wanted to be with us in a special way in the Spirit. This feast of the ascension of the Lord does not mark the absence of Jesus, but the means by which he is very present through us, his church. Wineskins is a production of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. It is brought to you by the Annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. I'm your host, Father Jim Corda, wishing you a beautiful week. What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.